Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Well, hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the nine o'clock. You made it nice, bright. I'd bushy-tailed. Some of you came in a little bit later. Some of you came in a lot later. Um, well done. So glad you could be here for our official launch of our two gatherings. And if you're here for the first time, we're just so delighted that you're with us. And uh, we hope uh, to get to know you uh, a little bit better. And of course, for those who are watching online at home in your pajamas, uh, welcome. We're glad you're here. Hey, we're launching a new teaching series today. If you haven't guessed, it's called People Skills. And we're going to be talking about a subject matter that I think is something that is relevant to each and every one of us, and that is human relationships. And our hope through, as we go through this series is we'll be able to sharpen our ability to relate with each other and with other people, and that we'll be able to relate a little bit more like Jesus as we go along. But I want to start off this morning and start off this series by simply asking you this question. Are you a trustworthy person? Are you somebody that anybody can trust? And, and this is an important question is because trust, as it turns out, is essential to all human relationships. I think most of us know the story of the boy who cried wolf. You know that story? Um, you might remember it. It's an Aesop's fable. Um, a boy was in char- uh, charged with taking care of the sheep of the village. And uh, two nights in a row, he cried wolf, wolf, wolf. The villagers showed up. And of course, there was no wolf. They found out the kid was just playing with them. And uh, the villagers went home upset and kind of disgruntled. And then finally, on the third night, the boy decides he's going to play the same joke. Uh, But as it turns out, there is an actual wolf that turns up uh, among the sheep. And so he cries out, wolf, wolf, wolf. But this time, nobody shows up. And of course, the wolf goes and slaughters all of the sheep. Now, a lot of people would say, well, this is a story about telling the truth. But it's actually also a story about relationship and trust. A boy was given a trust. A boy lost trust, and then at the end of the day, a boy was determined to be not trustworthy. Trust is an essential part of relationships. It's it's an essential part of all relationships. And so that's what I want to talk about today. And what I'm hoping to do is I want us to explore three biblical principles of relational trust. And then at the end, I'd like us to consider very practically, how is it that we become a trustworthy person? Or how do we become trustworthy people? So let's just dive right in. And I want to look at first at the foundational principle. Here's the foundational principle today, is that trust is the accelerator in all relationships. Trust is the accelerator in all relationships. You know, all relationships that you have in your life move at the speed of trust. All relationships are based on trust. Our relationship with God is based on trust. Our relationship with people uh, is based on trust. So let me talk about our relationship with God being based on trust. We all know that well-known verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Do you know, the beginning of our relationship begins with trust. It begins by surrendering our lives to him in faith, trusting that he'll save us, trusting that he'll accept us, trusting that he'll give us a new life. And and our relationship with God actually continues in trust. So as we go along the journey of of faith in life, we we are to live a continued surrendered life in faith, trusting that he's going to change us from the inside out, uh, that he's going to heal us, that he's going to give us hope, uh, that he's going to be with us for the entire journey. So our relationship with God is actually founded in trust. But not only is our relationship with God founded in trust, our relationship 
with people is based on trust. So let me give you a, an important verse that talks about the importance of trust in loving relationships. We know this one well. Uh, actually, that's the scripture's wrong there. It's 1 Corinthians 13, 7. But here's what it says. This is a famous love chapter. And the apostle Paul writes, and he says, Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. So loving relationships, as it turns out, are trusting relationships. And trust is essential to relationships. Now, some people might say, all you need in relationships is love. You don't need anything else. As long as you have love, love is enough. But as it turns out, love is not enough for a healthy relationship. Love in a relationship is completed through trust. See, here's the thing. Is you can have love in a relationship, um, but you, can't, uh, you can still love someone in a relationship who you don't trust. You know, let, me, let me give you an example. I have a friend uh, whose wife uh, cheated on him. It was horrible. It was terrible. It, it broke his heart. I came alongside of him and, and helped him through this in his life. Uh, and he loves her. He loves her with everything. Even to this day, even though she betrayed him, he loves her, but he doesn't trust her. And unless that trust in that relationship is restored, ultimately that relationship is stuck. That relationship's not going anywhere. See, if you have love in any relationship, but you don't have trust in that relationship, then your relationship is going nowhere fast. It's like being stuck in a snowbank with your summer tires and your summer tires are bald. We understand what that's like. It's not snowing yet. Thank you, Lord. It's not snowing yet. Uh, but we understand what that's like. So get your winter tires. Unless uh, trust is restored, our relationship is going nowhere. Trust is the accelerator in every human relationship. And, and this, this principle actually applies in every relationship category in your life. It applies with your friendships. It applies in your marriage relationship or your relationship with your significant other. If you're on a sports team, if you don't have trust, that team is not going to win. It applies in your business world, in your office. Trust is essential. It, it applies, well, what is tomorrow? Tomorrow is election day. Trust is an essential part of our understanding of the political world in which we live. Trust is the accelerator of every human relationship. So let me give you just another quick biblical example. Uh, Moses has to select, is, is telling uh, the, the people how to choose leaders, the judges who are going to give leadership over Israel. And so he sets up a list of criteria uh, of what he thinks that they should have uh, as, as leaders. And here's what he says. Exodus chapter 18, verse 21. He says, More, Moreover, look for able men from all the people Men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. So you wanted trustworthy people because here's the thing is, is trust is essential for human relationships. What kind of leaders did Israel need? Trustworthy leaders. Because people will follow or people will be in relationship with people they trust. So trust is the accelerator of all relationships. But here's the second principle. The second principle is that trust moves incrementally. It moves incrementally. So maybe you're, maybe you're here and you just started a new position at work. And you're wondering to yourself, why is it that nobody around the office or nobody around the shop takes me seriously? Or maybe you just started a relationship with another person, a significant other, okay? Uh, and you're wondering why. Why is it that this person is always checking up on me? Or, is, or why is it that this person kind of keeps me a little bit at a distance? And I feel that I can't really get close to them. The reason is likely because trust moves incrementally and trust is not given automatically. Uh, you might remember the, the story of the Apostle Paul and his kind of his coming to faith moment. I mean, when we first meet Paul in, in Acts chapter 7, 
Uh, he's, he's a religious zealot. He's attacked the church. He's going from house to house. He's dragging people into the streets. He's beating them. He's having them imprisoned for his faith. Okay, so Paul is essentially the persecutor of the church. He is the enemy of the church. Now, Paul makes his way down to Damascus. He wants to continue his work there, just as it was in Jerusalem. And as he's on his way, he meets the resurrected Jesus. Jesus, of course, blinds Paul. He speaks to Paul in, another, in, an, in an audible voice. You know, Paul, why are you fighting against me? Why are you doing this? Okay. And then, and then Paul, after that moment, decides that he's going to go into Damascus, and he's just simply going to go and pray. Well, while Paul is in Damascus, the Lord speaks to another man, and this man's name is Ananias. And Ananias, uh, uh, the Lord speaks to him and says, I want you to go and speak to Paul, right? Because Paul, he is the persecutor of the church, but one day he's going to be the preacher to the Gentiles. And so I want you to go and meet up with Paul. So Ananias kind of reluctantly goes and he meets up with Paul. And of course, Paul receives his sight, he's restored. He rises up as a new believer in Christ, and then Paul is baptized. And from that moment on, Paul goes into the city of Damascus, and he starts to tell the other Jews, his own people, about Jesus. And he begins to preach boldly to them, okay? Uh, but everybody's a little bit bewildered about this. Because, like, how, how can this be? I mean, this isn't this Paul. I mean, this is Paul. He's the persecutor of the Christians. How is it now that he's so boldly speaking about the faith? And Paul was so effective in doing that, that his own Jews, his own countrymen, plotted to kill him. So Paul's like, I got to get out of here. And the disciple says, you got to get out of here. And you need to leave Damascus. So Paul leaves Damascus, and he goes back to Jerusalem, the center of, of course, where the Christian movement is. But now we have a dilemma. And the dilemma is, is just simply this. The apostles who are there are asking the question, what do we do about Paul? I mean, like, just a, few, a little while ago, he was beating us up. He was throwing us into prison. And now he's supposedly supposed to be a disciple of Jesus. Maybe he's an imposter. How can we trust Paul? And here's what we pick up in Acts chapter 9. Here's what it says. And when he had come to Jerusalem... He attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him. You see that? Low trust here. They were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Okay, so, so what we see here is just an example of how trust is, is kind of gained incrementally. It did not happen automatically. As a matter of fact, it took time. When did that time take place? Well, Paul, in order to be trusted in Jerusalem, had to go first and preach in Damascus. And he demonstrated that he was, the, he was legit. He was the real thing. So it took time. But not only did it take time, it took people. And it took a Barnabas to come alongside Paul and to say to the disciples very carefully and taking the time to do it to say, listen, Paul is the real deal. Paul is legit. And because of that, Paul eventually was accepted. Listen, here are two important principles about trust. Here's the first one. Is trust is gained slowly. It is very difficult to gain real trust with people quickly. Uh, one author described it like this. He says that trust is like putting chips into a bowl. So in every relationship that we have with somebody else, with a group of people, with a team, with a workforce, whatever, we have a bowl of trust. And that's what's standing between us and other people. And every time we do something positive, we are it's like we're putting chips into that bowl. We're filling that bowl up with trust. So if you're in a marriage relationship, you know, you, you show up on time, right? You, uh, I don't know, shovel the sidewalk. You uh, clean, the clean the bathroom, okay? You, uh, you water the dog. 
you walk the plants, okay? Um, you do whatever, okay? And, and the more you do that, you're putting trust into that relationship. And the more trust is in the relationship, the faster that relationship goes. It has greater acceleration. It has greater velocity as it is. But here's the other thing. Trust is not only gained slowly. Trust is lost quickly. And you know what? It's always easier to break trust than it is to make trust. Most of us who have been in human relationships know this to be true. There are lots of ways to break trust. Not showing up on time, small mistakes, not keeping your word, being a jerk face, whatever. But a surefire way to break trust is through betrayal. So, cheating, stabbing someone in the back, destroying somebody's character, uh, a huge moral failure. Those are betrayal types of events. And they say that betrayal is almost like taking the trust that's in a bowl and just turning it upside down. And then suddenly all trust is lost. Trust is gained slowly and it's lost quickly. And I think we all know this to be true in a world of hypersensitivity. You know, all it takes is one bad tweet to surface and suddenly it destroys your life and it destroys your career. Right? Trust is gained slowly, but it's lost quickly. So here's the third principle. Trust, trust flows back to you. Here's the thing, is if you trust other people, there is a greater likelihood that those people will trust you back. But if you don't trust other people, there's also a great likelihood that they will not trust you back. Trust, at the end of the day, creates trust. I mean, we see this principle in the parable of the talents, Matthew chapter 25. So a man goes on a journey, right? He gives money to three of his servants. One of them, he gives 10 talents. Another one, he gives five talents. Another one, he gives one talent, each according to their ability. And so the first two guys, they take their money, they invest it, they use it well, they, they pour it into businesses and companies and whatnot. And they, the master comes back and it turns out they doubled their money. So the master says, well done, good job, good and faithful servants. But the last guy who, invested, who had one talent didn't use it at all. He didn't invest it, didn't take it to the banks, he did nothing with it. As a matter of fact, he took it out and he buried it. And then the master comes back and says, what did you do with what I had? And here's what he says to him in Matthew 25. He says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. What's missing in that relationship? Trust. Trust. So what was his problem? He didn't trust the master. And so because he did not trust the master, the master lost his trust in him and the servant had his money taken away from him and he was cast out into darkness. Now, this might not be the point of the parable, but we do see this principle at work. Trust creates trust. Distrust creates distrust. See, you can choose to put one of two things between yourself and another person in a relationship. You can choose to put trust in that relationship, or you can choose to put suspicion in that relationship. And, and what you choose to put in that relationship will determine the quality and the health and the speed of that relationship. So to put it more simply, when you trust, you pay a price, but when you, when you, sorry, when you don't trust, you pay a price, but when you do trust, you receive a reward. So there's a cost to suspicion. And I think most of us have been in a relationship with somebody else where um, we feel like they're always second-guessing our motives or where there's just like this subtle undercurrent of suspicion and we don't know what to do about that. And we know that it's really, really hard to move ahead in that kind of relationship. Now, I, I am not suggesting today that we should simply blindly trust everybody. You know, there's an author, his name's Stephen Covey Jr., not Stephen Covey Sr., Jr. He wrote a great, great book called The Speed of Trust. And he talks about two bad versions of trust. He says, you know what, on the one hand, there is distrust. So those who first encountered the Apostle Paul, 
They experienced distrust. Now, can you imagine if they just continued to distrust Paul? What would, how would that have slowed down the missionary uh, journeys that Paul was trying to undertake? But on the other hand, you have what is known as blind trust. You know, an example of this is those who just blindly followed the Pharisees. Jesus says, you're blind guides. It's like the blind leading the blind. But somewhere in the middle between distrust and blind trust is what we would call smart trust. And a, and a person with smart trust uses good judgment. I mean, they, they observe, they assess, they ask God for wisdom and discernment. But they are willing to take a calculated risk and lean into relationships with trust rather than with suspicion. That's smart trust. So here's a question I want you to consider this morning. Are you the kind of person who leads with trust or leads with suspicion? Because here's what I've learned after three decades of pastoral ministry. If you are a generally suspicious or cynical person, your present might be colored by your past. You know, psychologists have a word for this. It's called projection. So what you do is you project your past experience on your current reality. So you interpret all your current relationships through the lens of past experiences. So if you've experienced significant betrayal in your past, what you do is you project that onto your present relationship. So because of that, you, you tend to lean out with suspicion rather than leaning in with trust. You're overly cautious. You wonder to yourself, you know, what if this person hurts me? Or you think that this guy, you know, maybe this guy or this girl is, is just like all the other ones that I've dated. Or, I, you know, I know people from this certain ethnic group and I know what they're like. And, you know, that's the tendency of all of them. Or, or this boss, he's no different than my former boss. Like my bosses are just all kind of like that. And so what you're doing is you're, you're projecting your past onto your present. But, you know, the problem is... If you always lead with suspicion, then you never will receive the reward of relationship. If your present is colored by your past, then it will paint your future. And your future will be dull and lonely and grim. So what do you do? I mean, what do you do if, you, if your past has been severely broken? What if you do if you're the kind of person who's full of suspicion and, and cynicism in relationships? Well, let me say this to you lovingly this morning. If you can look at your past and you can pinpoint those sources of betrayal, you know where those sources of betrayal are from your past, where you were deeply hurt. It's very likely that you need to go through a process of forgiveness and of spiritual healing to deal with those things. You see, you need to go back before you move ahead. And you'll need, the, need to walk through that. And, and it might be journeying through it with a mature disciple in Christ. It might even be uh, getting professional counseling to help you walk through that. But you have to go back before you move ahead. And let me just say, uh, we, we, we are happy here to direct you there. We, we care about you at, at Crosspoint and in our community. Yeah, and you shouldn't have to do this alone. And let me also say this today, is, is that you shouldn't just leave it. Don't just do nothing because the cost of suspicion is high and trust always flows back to you. That's the third principle of trust. Well, I'd like to spend the rest of our time just quickly talking about how to be a trustworthy person. You know, as we walk through the series, we're going to be talking about breaking trust. We're going to talk about making trust. I mean, we're going to be looking at topics like forgiveness and anger and gossip and, and disagreement. And, but I thought it would be important today to end by answering this question is, how can I be a trustworthy person? 
And so I want to quickly walk through four disciplines of what it means to be trustworthy as an individual. And here's the first one. The first one is just be willing to commit. Be willing to commit. You know, there are countless stories in the Bible about people who are willing to commit. They stepped up. They put their necks on the line. And because of that, they were the kinds of people that people wanted to follow. Because of that, they were the kinds of people that people wanted to be in relationship with because they were willing to commit. I mean, David stepped up against Goliath even when all the other Philistines had faltered. Esther, great example, spoke up when her people were on the brink of genocide. Moses led Israel even when he felt incompetent. You know, to be a child of God is to be a person who makes commitments. It's who we are. It's, 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 just, it's just what we do as followers of Jesus. And here's the thing. If you're the kind of person who can never commit, you know, if you're the kind of person who can never pull the trigger, if you waver and change and change your mind before you even get to the starting line, then people will have a difficult time trusting you. For example, maybe you're here today and you're in a relationship with a significant other. And you've been in a relationship with that significant other for a very, very long time. And that person is unwilling to make the lifelong commitment. So there's no plan. There's no ring that's been purchased or even looked at. There's no dates that have been set. Whenever you bring up the topic, they change the subject because they don't want to keep that conversation going. And you might even feel like every day is like an, an audition with this guy because he's, it's like he's holding his breath and he's, he's waiting just in case another option may in fact come along. I want you to consider this this morning. Is that person's hesitancy building your trust or is it eroding your trust? And this is the thing about commitments. People who can't commit are harder to trust. People who can commit, in fact, are easier to trust. So, how to be trustworthy? Be willing to commit. But here's the second discipline. Keep your word. Keep your word. Ouch, I know. You know, Jesus told his disciples, he said to them, you know what, don't make oaths, don't swear by anything. Instead, you should just be a people who simply keep your word. If you are a trustworthy person, then your word should be enough. Let's look at what Jesus said. He says, but I say to you, this is in his Sermon on the Mount, do not take an oath or at all, uh, either by heaven for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Now, of course, some of your translations, NIV, you would say, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And what Jesus is saying, is, says, you know what, you shouldn't need any outside props to boost your trustworthiness, to boost your credibility. Because a trustworthy person is someone who just simply keeps their word. Their word is their bond. So let me give you an example of what a trustworthy person is like who keeps their word. They arrive, they arrive on time. And they honor other people's time. They fulfill their obligations. They, they pay their bills. They complete assignments on time. When they show up to do something, they give their best. They're the kind of person who keeps their commitments. That's what it means to keep your word. You know, I, I used to work with a staff person who, who, who broke his word often. And he was part of a larger team. Um, and he often did it in small ways, not in big ways. He was never dumping over the bowl, but he's just kind of pulling chips out one at a time. And the thing of it was he was a good friend of mine, right? So uh, I, I really, really liked him. But, I mean, he was often late for meetings. He didn't get his reports or his assignments in on time. He always seemed to find a way to bend the rules, sometimes even break the rules, in order to get things done. And he would then, of course, ask for, for forgiveness later on. But, and the thing about him is like, he was super charismatic. He was super likable. Everybody liked him. 
But after a while, his, his likability wasn't enough. And eventually he began to erode the trust of everybody around him on the team. And nobody really wanted to work with him anymore. Here's the thing. Is, is your, your talent, your beauty, your charisma, your charm is only going to get you so far in life. And eventually, if you're the kind of person who fails to keep your word, you're going to lose all the chips in your bowl. And your relationships with other people are eventually going to grind to a halt. A trustworthy person is the kind of person who simply keeps their word. You want to be successful in life? You want to be successful in relationships with one other people? Here's a really simple secret. Just keep your word. It's all you got to do. Just keep your word. Here's the third discipline. Communicate openly and graciously. Uh, Proverbs 24, 26 says, An honest answer is like a kiss on a lips. And of course, we all like kisses, unless it's from Uncle Marvin, because his mustache tickles. But um, just kidding, I don't know any Uncle Marvins. Uh, just seeing if you're awake this morning. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips, which means that honesty and openness in communication is a delightful thing in relationships. We love to hear when people give us a fresh and honest answer. If you want to build trust with other people, it's important to speak openly. If people don't hear from you, like if they never hear from you, then they're always left guessing. If, if you don't reach out or if you don't return emails or you don't show up or you don't call people, people won't know what to make of you. So the more transparent you can be in personal relationships, the more people will trust you. And if you trust people with yourself, people will trust you with themselves. But if you always kind of put up a wall towards people, what you're going to get in return oftentimes is a wall of relationships. So, and I realize that being honest about yourself can be risky business, right? Because sometimes you don't know. I mean, if I'm going to put myself out there, what are, what are people going to do? Are they going to accept me? Are they going to reject me? Are they going to treat me poorly, right? And relationships, as it turns out, are always risky business. Trust with other people in relationships, it's always risky business. But until somebody makes the move, until somebody makes that move in a relationship, trust is always limited, and as long as trust is limited, the relationship runs in slow motion. Trusting people communicate openly and they communicate graciously. Here's the final principle. Own your stuff. Own your stuff. Jesus said that if you've broken trust with somebody, anybody, it doesn't matter who it is. If you've broken trust with them, you got to go and fix it. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 5. He says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. So what's Jesus saying here? Well, he's saying you cannot worship God uh, and at the same time have something between you and your brother. In other words, you can't compartmentalize your spiritual life this way. How you treat people, how you live in relationship with people will always affect your relationship with God. You cannot separate the two. So if you've done something to hurt people or wronged people, Jesus says you've got to fix it. You've got to go deal with it. You need to reconcile. Okay, reconcile means to, to fix something, to bring it back into alignment. So that might mean going to that person. It might mean admitting that you're wrong. It might mean asking for forgiveness. It may also mean making amends for the damage that you've done in that relationship. But until you own your stuff, there's going to be an immense gap of suspicion 
between you and that other person. Because what's happened is all the chips are gone or some of the chips are gone in that relationship. And your relationship then is going to be disconnected. Your relationship is going to be going in slow motion. So there is a cost. But here's the thing is after you make amends, remember, trust moves slowly. So the relationship's not automatically going to go back to where it was before. One chip at a time, you're going to have to build that, that relationship all the way back until it's, it's fully restored. It's just going to take time, and it's going to take patience. But if you want to be a trustworthy person, you have to own your stuff. You have to be willing to admit that you're wrong and willing to fix what's broken in relationship. Now, here's the thing, um, and I find this to be true in my own life, is that being trustworthy is really hard to do. I mean, not being seemingly trustworthy. I mean being really trustworthy. It's very difficult to do. And I also find that trusting other people is very, very difficult. Because sometimes I'm afraid. Or sometimes I'm, I'm worried that people are going to reject me. Trust is a very difficult thing to do. And the reason why is that each and every one of us is we're all pretty broken beneath the surface. The Bible says that we're all born with this tendency to self-protect. We're always born with this tendency to, to look at ourselves more important than, than anybody else. And, and so try as we might to be trustworthy, really trustworthy, and try as we might to trust other people, we often find ourselves at times failing. So what the Bible teaches us is, is that the way to move toward trust and trustworthiness in our lives is through Christ Jesus. Because here's the thing, is that Christ enables us to trust others by making us secure. And he empowers us to be trustworthy by making us strong. So when you place your trust in Christ, when you surrender your life to him, he gives you a new identity. And from that new identity, ultimately what flows is security. You have this sense of security and confidence so that you can enter into human relationships with confidence and without fear. Because your sense of well-being and security is found in Christ. And when you place your trust in Christ, he also comes to live inside of you. And through his, through his Holy Spirit at work in you, he gives you everything you need for life and godliness. So as you surrender to his will and his power, as you trust him, he changes you from the inside out and he makes you strong. I, uh, I have to admit that in my own life, I, I've seen these things to be true. Um, when I was young, I, I faced immense betrayal in my life. A lot of you may have, may have heard my story or you might know my story. I grew up the child of an abusive alcoholic father. And, and living in that kind of a dysfunctional, broken home, it made it very difficult for me to trust other people with myself. And I, I, in that type of environment, I learned a lot of bad patterns um, of brokenness that made it normal for me to break trust with other people. It just was a part of who I was. But when Christ came into my life, and when I entrusted myself to him, and I surrendered myself to him, he loved me, he called me, he forgave me, he adopted me. So he gave me a new identity, he gave me an eternal purpose, he changed me from the inside out. And so now in him, I am strong, in him, I am secure. And as I've surrendered my life and continue to surrender my life, he's changed me from the inside out. So today, you might be wondering, you might be asking this question, you might be saying, how do I know, how do I know that I can trust God with my life? Because I have trust issues. How do I know? Well, first of all, I would say we look to the cross. 
Because the cross is the greatest demonstration of God's love for us. And we look to the empty tomb, second, because it is the greatest proof that Jesus is our way. He is our truth. He is our life. You know, Paul wrote this in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. He says, here's a, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. And maybe that's you today. Maybe like me, you're saying to Jesus every single day, Jesus, I need you to save me. I need you to rescue me. I need you to restore my life. You know, I, I, I need you to um, give me hope. I need you to, to give me purpose. I need you to save me from my fears. I need you to save me from my struggles. I need you to save me from my lack of trust. I need you to save me. And maybe that's you uh, here today. Are you willing to trust God to do that work in you, to make you more of a trusting person and a trustworthy person? Let's pray together. Our God, we thank you that you are, in fact, trustworthy. And that we can boldly come to you and we can surrender our lives before you. Because you are good and because you are great. You are good because you've given everything for us and you love us. And you're great because nothing is impossible for you. So God, we want to be a people who um, learn to trust others with ourselves. And we want to be a people who are worthy of trust. People who others can look to and say, I, I, I see integrity and I see character in that person. I want to trust them. So God, would you teach us how to navigate relationships would you show us and would you equip us? Would you remind us that we are secure in you? And would you show us that we are strong in you? Thanks everyone who's here today. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.